you will pray with me and for me, I will pray with you and for you. And we'll get started. Father, thank you so much for today. Uh, I'm just so excited, Lord, to hear uh, your story and um, how you've moved in the life of of one of your daughters. And man, just how we can learn so much from that about who you are and how you view us. And I just pray, God, that everyone here, oh man, so many people are going through so many things. And I know that. And I just pray that you'd meet them wherever they're at and that they could be encouraged, Lord, um, just by hearing how you still move in people's lives. God, I pray that you would help me to preach your word and only your word, and I wouldn't get in the way. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Man, my mic got messed with again. Oh, <clears throat> can't do that to an OCD guy. Plus, I can keep hearing it weird. Okay. See? I'm not going to look at anyone angrily, Grant. All right. Hey, welcome to the Remnant, guys. My name's Todd. Uh, if it's your first time, I'm the pastor here. If uh, it isn't your first time, that's still good to see you. So... Uh, we're in the middle of a series called Conversations, and what that is, is you guys and your stories, man, um, about really just your stories and how God interacts and intersects with our lives and what that teaches us, because it teaches us a lot. And um, today's, I, I've liked every single one of these, and, I, and I'm not just saying that. I, I think each of them has been really powerful. But today's caught me off guard, and you'll see that one in film. Um, because I didn't expect one of the things that she said for her to say, and how God moved in her life, and it, uh, boy, it got me. You'll actually hear me say, son of a gun, which is usually my cue that I'm crying. I try to cover it with laughter. So it's a beautiful story. Um, it's a very brave story. <clears throat> so we're gonna talk with, today we're going to talk with Sierra, and Sierra's awesome, and you're going to find that out. And I, uh, this isn't her full story. It's just part of her story. You can find the rest of it on our YouTube channel which if you didn't know we had one, we do. The whole thing's up there fully, but for brevity's sake and for this um, message, it's a little shorter. Um, I'm amazed, truthfully, at her bravery and transparency. She makes me feel like a a wimp or a wuss. I mean that because of what, and you'll see that as we go on. Um, But I need to catch you up so that it makes sense. So Sierra talks about the fact, if you don't know much about her story, you can ask her, but I'll catch up a little bit. She was homeschooled. Um, her, pretty much her entire life, right? Her entire life, yes. And she started going to church. They kind of hopped around, but she's been in church since age six. Very conservative home. She's got 25 brothers and sisters. I'm just kidding. She's got six or seven or 20. I don't know. She has a lot. And we kind of talk a little bit about just what that was like. Um, and even, she wasn't even really involved. Like, she loved going to church and she had friends and stuff, but she didn't really have a lot of friends even there. So, We got to dig into that a little bit. What's that like, right, to be homeschooled? And then her friends were kind of those six or seven other siblings for the most part. She wasn't really involved in the, as she grew up in the youth ministry. She'll talk about that a little bit um, just because her parents didn't feel comfortable with that. So as she grows up, she tells the story of when she's becoming a young lady, she goes to her mother and she starts getting curious, right? We all do. Um, And this kind of tells you her heart and her her sweetness and her innocence. And um, it all started with the Bible. And it's because of the Virgin Mary. So she goes to her mother and says, I don't understand this. What is, what is it to be, what does that mean? Her, mo- her mom said, oh, I mean, she have not slept with someone. Well, if you just, it's hard for us to fathom that, but if you come in with no context, you're like, what, what? You don't sleep with them? That doesn't make any sense. So she began to want to get her questions answered, right, somewhere else. And that's kind of where we're going to pick up the story. Um, it'll be up here, and then we'll talk after 
understand what it means then. Like, I don't get it. So then I started doing my own research. research in How did you research it? Internet. So it probably started out, um, and, this, and this is something that I really want to, first of all, I think what we're about to talk about is so common. Um, and what I love about your willingness, because we talked briefly before, is that you're going to, it's, it's such a common thing, but I think for women, it's not as common to talk about. And that makes me sad because I think there's a lot of women that are trapped um, by their own shame and their own guilt or, or whatnot. So just want you to know how thankful I am. And, and uh, you know, before we started, you said, we kind of talk about, hey, where do you want to head in this conversation? You've got, you know, God's worked in your life in various ways throughout your life. And you said, I feel like he's leading me to do this and I don't want to. <laughs> so that's pretty cool. So just want to tell you I appreciate that. So moving in, you said you started researching. And that opened a door, I would imagine. Because mm -hmm. I would imagine when you first did it, it was probably more innocent. Mm -hmm. You're researching on the internet, I assume. You're mm -hmm. researching, what does this mean? Which yeah. leads to, and you want to kind of take us through that that process. And So I remember like looking that up. Like I, I pretty much got the same answer, like the internet, like what is a virgin? Like I think it pretty much just gives kind of the same thing my mom said. And I eventually started reading more books that I probably shouldn't have when I was like 14, 15. And I remember stopping. Um... And these were books with, like, more explicit scenes? Yes, like yes. That. These were not, like, I read specifically Christian up until I was, like, 14, 15. And then I, around one of those times, I was given a Nook, um, an e-reader, e and they, um, you can do free books a lot of times, and yeah. a lot of, you can find sections that are not appropriate. And I remember I would read those all the time to try and give me answers. Um, now, were these books, did they start when you kind of look at this journey that we're about to go on in this part of your life? Was it started kind of like, okay, these were like, maybe these were fantasy romance novels that would have sections that were really explicit. And then it kind of got more from that. Do you, um, because what I, I guess what I'm saying is I've noticed that a lot of times, and we'll get into this a little later, particularly with ladies, I think they go down this rabbit trail differently than men. Because I've heard over and over it starts with books. And I'm mm -hmm. just curious what kind of books. You know? So for me, I wanted, I wanted details. But I like... But in my brain, I was like, okay, well, what's porn and what's not? Like, I remember thinking this, like, what's porn and what's not? It's like, I can't watch videos. I can't do that because that's not okay. But these books, I can. And I don't know why I decided, like, for me, like, that was my okay. Like, my okay was these books are okay. Mm -hmm. This, the, these are not okay. Um, so I remember that. And I remember looking, like, I would get the books that were, like, romance. Yeah. But I wouldn't, like, because I know, like, I've heard a lot of girls talk about, like, oh, they just wanted, like, they wanted the romance, and they liked the sex scenes that were in it. But for me, I wanted just that because I was curious, and I wanted to know. And I was so like, you kind of what is this mean? find those even? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so that's what I did a lot. Or I'd find, like, they would have short books, like 25 pages. They were literally just those. Mm -hmm. So that's a lot of what I did when I was, like, 14, 15. So even when you started there, would you have, you know, I guess, well, I guess this, I'll let you continue. So where did that lead? Um, it led, I would probably around 15, 16 you led to YouTube. Um, like, definitely, it led toward that. Like, it led to just searching up scenes and stuff like that. And then I finally realized, I was like, this isn't okay. And I, I stopped for a long time. Like, I put away my nook. I went just back to reading Christian books. Um, now, were you able to share with anyone? Did you share with anyone that no. you already started down that trail? And why not? No. Um, I didn't feel like I had anybody. Like, I remember I wanted to talk to my mom. Literally the day that I wanted to talk to my mom, 
he went on a rant about this guy who had been caught watching porn and his wife and him divorced because he ended up cheating on his wife. Like, literally that day. And she went on this big, long rant. And I was like, I can't tell my mom this. I was like, I can't tell my mom any of this. And what about church? Like, that you didn't have, you didn't feel like you had a place to share that at church either? Or was there shame involved already? Or? Though there was a lot of shame. There was a lot of... Because, like, my dad would, like... They would definitely, like, try to talk to me about things. Like, but I was like, no, I can't. They can't know this. Like, mm-hmm. because no one talked about it, ever. And, like, when they did, it was always directed toward men. So I was like, well, mm. this is it. I'm No other girl does this. This sucks. I don't know who to talk to. I don't so, have. So what kind of words, even at this point, because that was really powerful, you said only men do this. So what did that make you feel like? What kind of thoughts went through your head? Well, if only men are doing this, then that makes me what? I felt very dirty. Yeah. I felt very gross. I felt just awful all the time. Hmm. Um, I felt very sad. And I didn't know, like, for me, I put so much worth in I'm going to save myself for marriage that I felt like I'd ruined it by doing mm. this. And this wasn't even, this was at the very beginning before I even went down worse paths. Sure. So you, well, thanks for sharing it. So you're there, you, you kind of feel lost. You don't want to talk to you really. So you, but you're battling it. You, there's a part of you that knows, you get the Holy Spirit. It's like, hey, let's not do this. But at the same time, you don't have anyone to share with. So then what happens? What turns you back to that? Or do you remember when you're like, you know what, I'm going to go back. For me, it was definitely an off and on thing. Like, it'd be good for a month, and then there'd be a weekend, and I'd mess up. And for me, it was always that. I was like, dang it, I messed up. I ruined this. I have to start over. <laughs> and it was always that path. Um, when I was 16, so this is kind of like I think about this, is would have been 2014, um, kind of start, the beginning of the year, my dog died. And it was, I just, I remember this year as my defining, like, like this was my, awful it was an awful year I just started the year my dog died and I took it really really hard like I didn't know like this was the dog I had since I was eight and she wasn't supposed to die the vet literally said she won't die from this and she died and I was so mad and I was really sad and that I started to eventually by this point I don't remember when it happened but I eventually did start watching just straight porn I was um it was a very it was a numbing thing like numbed everything and then I wasn't sad I was sad but I just hit it um and then that that summer actually ended up being really good for me because I went to camp for the first time and that's when I met a lot of my friends um and that was awesome but then I came like the thing about camp is that it's really awesome because you're like yes god like I'm gonna go for this but then I come home and and then I have nothing and I didn't have like I think at this point in time I kind of went to youth group a little bit but not a lot. There were, I still didn't have a lot of friends. Why didn't you go to youth group? Why didn't I? Uh, my parents wouldn't let me. Why? There was boys. Hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. So, you go to camp, you come back. Now, I can't... You still haven't talked to anyone about this struggle, I assume. Or did you at this point? I feel like my first year at camp, I shared with a counselor. Did that just feel so freeing? It did. Yeah. yeah. Did they respond well? Yeah. They yeah. responded. They prayed with me. Um, but the thing... So normally when you go to the camp that I went to, at least your youth pastor was your counselor, but I never had a youth pastor go with me. So it was just a stranger who didn't keep in touch with me. Mm-hmm. So then I started this cycle again when I came home and I started getting really close to my pastor and his wife. Um, and then that fall they left. Um, they left our church, like not for a bad re- like for family reasons. They sure. moved. Um, and I was like, 
I was so close to needing to share with them, like, about stuff. And, like, I'd really gotten really close to um, my pastor's wife, and then they left. Mm-hmm. Um, in October of that year, my grandma passed, and I... It was really hard. Um, I... No one was helping me with anything by that point. Um, I didn't feel like I could talk to anybody. And definitely I realized to that point that anything to do with porn, like, it was out of control. I couldn't stop anything. It was a constant daily thing that I hid from my parents. Like, I don't know if my parents were just oblivious, if they knew but didn't know what to do. Like, I don't understand how they realized that I was in such a bad place and didn't do anything about it. Um, Because, like, because I was so just ashamed and lost and I didn't know what to do about anything like I knew I needed to stop and it's like a really weird thing like because I knew I needed to stop but literally what before I would even open my phone I'm like Sierra you shouldn't do this but I'd still do it mm-hmm. and now like now that I've done a lot of research and I know things I know that affects things in your brain and I know that like honestly porn is any different than drugs like mm-hmm. it's that same do it for the same thing Dopamine you want yeah, yeah you want that feel good you want to be numb, mm-hmm. and because that's afterward, it was just a numb, and it felt good, but then it immediately was, like, I literally could feel, like, just shame wash over me, mm-hmm. and it is awful. It was an awful feeling. Um, yeah, yeah, I think, so when you said, I think, well, first of all, thank you, that's so honest, and um, when you said, I, it was interesting, a couple things jumped to mind. One, you talked about this cycle. Anyone that has been in pornography that is a Christian, I think, can empathize with this cycle. So you go, you know, whatever your record is, you go weak and you're good. And then you mess up and you said, I ruined it all, right? And then I've got to start all over again. It's such a powerful statement. I've got to start all over again. And so you feel like, and you tell me if I'm wrong, did it feel like, okay, I'm going to hold out. And then as soon as I did that, I'm a complete failure again. So the picture you're kind of painting is you're in this daily struggle. You're lost. You're deep into this. It's like a drug. Um, you had to have felt, did you feel alone? I mean, in all of this? Like, did it feel like you were living two lives almost to yourself, what you were sharing yeah. others? And, you know, what, what were you feeling inside at this time? You said it was an awful feeling. I definitely felt really alone. Because I tried, like, to share with people. Like, I'm not sure. Because there were, so at that time when I was 16, like right after my grandma died, I hadn't really shared with anybody besides like counselor at camp. Um, but like the one thing that was hard about camp was that they didn't talk about like a relapse. Like really, they like prayed for me and they're like, you know, don't do this anymore. But like they didn't really give like help with that. So I definitely felt like I messed up. I ruined this. Like mm. I can't like, what do I even do? I prayed for forgiveness all the time. I was just like, God, I'm so tired of feeling. Because I did, like, I felt, because when I was in that cycle, like, I'd be in my room, I'd be sad, and I'd be lonely. But then the next day, I had to put on a face. And so I definitely, definitely felt like I was living two lives all the time. Because then there was, because by this point, especially after my grandma died, anytime I was sad or lonely, that was my go-to, was that. Like, it wasn't anything else but that. And so I think the summer after I was able to share with my, my youth pastor, who I'd gotten really close with, I was able to share with her, and she actually had a similar struggle. And she had gotten out of it, and it was something that was helpful to actually be able to talk to somebody who was like, I've been there, I get it. But I still felt very alone because she never talked to me about it after I told her. 
like occasion like maybe once a month she might bring it up but she wasn't like they're pushing me like constantly like, even though I saw her four days a week it was just kind of like oh hey how are you doing and so that that made me feel even more alone like hey this person knows what I'm going through and she's not doing anything about it well some ways I want to come back to that but real quick if you were to say looking back on it right how did that affect your uh, relationship with God how did that affect you know your your faith I felt like I disappointed him um because it was such a it was such a weird cycle because I was praying all the time that God I can't get rid of this like help me please forgive me and it definitely was a very weird like relationship on my end like because I still prayed I still went to church I still was fighting but I definitely felt like I was losing mm-hmm. so I definitely just felt I first word that was mine was worthless mm-hmm. um Mm. And I felt like a failure because I couldn't keep, like, I kept saying I didn't want to do it and I kept doing it. Mm. And so that was definitely a really hard thing. Mm. And then I felt like I disappointed, like, I disappointed my father. Like, that's that's why I didn't tell my earthly dad because I knew he would be really disappointed. So then to know that my heavenly dad was definitely disappointed in me was hard. Or in my brain was really disappointed in me. Yeah. Did that ever make you doubt your your salvation were there moments where you're afraid of that I know sometimes that fear can come into people are you pretty secure in that area I don't I don't feel like it ever did like I just felt like more like I he was disappointed sure so when you say um these people would kind of come in your life looking back what do you think your heart really wanted them to what did you what did you want what did your heart long for for these you know you shared with your youth pastor you shared with these people what what did you wish they would have done I wish they would have been more direct. Like, I wish people would have been like, why did you do this? Or, like, would have been more like, like, actually, I told my best friend, and she was really good about, she had no, she had no idea what I was going through, but she would send me a Bible verse every day, because that's the only thing she knew how to do, and that something was helpful, because even though she didn't know how to help me, she was doing something, and so I think that's something that I wanted, like, with my youth pastor, like, I had, I found an app that helped, I could track, I think it helped and it hindered because I could track, when? like, when I messed up. But it would send her a report. And then she could get back with me and be like, hey, what happened? What was wrong? But she only did that, like, twice. And then I finally just stopped keeping up with it. So I just wish I would have had a little more accountability. Like, she would, even if she could keep me accountable to doing it, like, at least, like, filling out the um, calendar thing, at least keep me accountable to that. And then she would come be like, hey, what happened? What was wrong? Was the accountability part... More of like no thinking. I'm not in this battle alone. Somebody's here with me. Yes, definitely. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's the thing with pornography um, and sexual sin in general uh, within the church is that it can make us feel, you know, it's this secret that we know people struggle with, but because we don't talk about it, we feel so alone in it. And I love that you. I don't love that you felt this way, but I love that you shared it because I think that's so true. You said, "I felt worthless. I felt alone. I felt like if dirty. I felt like these people." You know, I was the only one doing it. Because that's the lie you can feel. I'm the only one, because everyone else is smiling and happy, but they all have masks on too, right? Whether uh, they're struggling with that or something else. So, um, what's, you know, looking back, where, where, where did when or where did the turning point come to where you started at least not feeling trapped in the cycle as much? Um, I guess for me, it would have been, I kind of traded it for something worse as I started keeping myself busy. Because that's what I... 
I took information that I had learned and I used it, but not for the best way because they, they did say keep busy, but they meant more like, okay, if you feel like that, go journal, go on a walk. But for me, I ended up, oh gosh, would have been, I would have been 18. I ended up working two jobs. Um, literally went from one job to the other, slept one job to the other, slept one job to the other. And by the end of the one was just a seasonal job, I ended up working 70 hours a week. Mm. And so I just traded it for busyness, mm-hmm. and I didn't really deal with it, because anytime I was free, I was right back to it. They'd just be waiting for you. Yeah. yeah. So that was really hard, because I was just like, I would be like, I'm finally out of this, and then next thing I know, no, I was just too busy to even think about it. And so then I was just like, I'm never going to get out of this, ever. Like, I'm just always stuck there. Mm-hmm. And I remember, would have been 2018, eight months, I went without. And I was actually finally like, this is, like, I feel amazing. And then I stumbled again. And I was like, God, I'm so tired of feeling like this. And I didn't know what to do. And being here at the remnant helped a lot because I was able to, one, I think it was last year, all the women in the church share their stories. And I, at first, I didn't want to talk about it at all. I was like, I'm going to leave this out. And I was like, how can I tell my story and not talk about this? Mm -hmm. And I think that helped me because then I had a couple women come to me like, I get it. I struggled with this. And I was like, this isn't like other women have struggled with this. I'm not a monster. I'm not. Yeah. And then when Jason and I first started dating, we were a week into dating. And I, I was like, God was literally like, you need to tell him. And I was like, I'm not going to tell him. He goes, <laughs> and like, I remember for two or three days, like, we'd literally been dating a week. No, we hadn't even, we'd been dating a couple of days. And God was like, you have to tell him. And I was like, I want to wait. And God's like, you have to tell him. And I was like, I don't want to tell him. I want to wait. I told him, and I don't know what I was expecting, but his response, he was just like, it's okay. He's like, we'll get through this. We'll fight it together. And I was just like, okay. Makes me want to cry. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Um, and so uh, I want to touch base on some of the effects, and then I want to, I want to focus on sort of um, the positive stuff because I see that and I know. And you've been really honest. Uh, I, th- I do think this is one of those things that you can't have freedom from, but it's certainly hard. And, like, um, freedom looks freedom is probably different than people think sometimes. Freedom doesn't mean never stumbling again. It means there's there's a change in that pattern, right? And, yes. And knowing your identity. So one thing I want to touch base on, and we haven't talked about this, so it may take two seconds or maybe. Do you think you're married now? Mm-hmm. Um, and you had, despite all your struggles, you had waited till marriage. Yes. Um. And so, do you, looking in these first few months, do you see that pornography had an effect on that part of your life or when you were married? Were there expectations that were, like, set up by the stuff that weren't realistic? Did it affect, you know, looking back? If you feel comfortable sharing yeah. that. Yeah. Um, I honestly, I think I expected it to affect it, but it didn't. Oh, like, yeah. I definitely, like, until almost 19, 20. Like, so I expected it to, and it really didn't. Like, I expected... Like, to even feel dirty, because for me, anything sexual was associated with porn, which was associated with shame. Mm. So I expected, like, sex was going to associate with shame, because that's what I was really afraid of. Because I've heard stories of girls who have struggled with that and then have had sex and just felt shame because it's dirty. Because for us, because porn is dirty, like, makes us feel dirty. And it didn't, and I was really thankful for that because I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do if, like, this makes me feel this way. Like, what am I supposed to do? And thankfully, it hasn't at all. That's such a cool, awesome little blessing. (laughs) Uh, 
So I guess uh, real earlier you said it made you feel like you were letting him down, you know, all those types of things. Um, you know, where was the shift in your faith? What, what, do you remember a time, whether it was in 2018, whether it was when you shared where you said, maybe it was even in response to Jason, where you started seeing that God's view of you wasn't what you felt in those moments, even in the failures, that God, you know, what, is there anything you can speak into with that? Chosen by grace. <laughs> yeah. Would have been the biggest, like, now I'm going to start crying. Um, that makes two of us. Thanks a lot. <laughs> you're welcome. Would have been the biggest thing, like, that no matter how much I mess up, God's going to be there, and, like, I don't have to be stuck in that. Um, and that has changed me more than I was ever ever thought it was going to. Um, because I just, no one talked about it. No one was there. And, like, I felt like I needed to, like, like, I needed to feel ashamed. Like, that's how I felt, like, constantly was, like, I had to be ashamed of it because it was wrong. And then I realized that I didn't, like, God's grace was supposed to, like, I didn't need to live in that shame. I didn't need to live in that. Because even though, yeah, like, I messed up and it's a sin, I can start over. And it's not just, it's not that I'm, it's not that I slid back to the beginning. I just get to start over right where I'm at. I don't have to go all the way back to the first square. I think that's really, like, that was one of the turning points. Yeah. Oh, just reacting up if you were to, so we'll kind of close up here. If you were to say, I, I think there's two different people to talk to here. How would you, what would you say to someone who has a friend that's going through this? How could they support them? What's the best way they could support them? Literally ask them how they're doing. And like, I've literally done people, I've asked people like, hey, how are you doing? Oh, good, how are you? No, how are you doing? And they'll give another answer. And like, I've had to be, you just have to be direct. Like, you can't say, how are you doing? And expect them to share their heart. Like, you know, if a friend, like, even if I told them their struggle, they say, oh, how are you doing? I'm going to be like, oh, I kind of stuck here. I messed up last night. Like, I'm not going to just go in and say that. Like. Because already, you're already struggling with that. You need people to enter into your life. Mm-hmm. So you would, so your advice is like, really be willing to enter into that. Yeah. So someone comes and confesses that to you, be prepared to like battle it with yeah. them. And then what would you say to someone who was where you were and is feeling worthless? And you can say that to them if you want worthless or not good enough or no shame, what, you know, what would you want to say to them? I guess sometimes I still struggle, like, with that, like, and I think it's to, like, remind yourself of God's truth. Mm-hmm. Like, for me, the biggest thing, actually, that's pretty much what it is, priceless. Like, that's my word. That's, like, what I remember. And, like, I remember reading something that's, like, wear something that reminds you of something good. And so I actually had a necklace that... For King Country, this band that sings this song that I wore all the time. And it was to remind yourself that you're priceless. And I wore that thing every day for five years. Because even though I messed up, every day I would look in the mirror and see that next time. Like, I'm priceless. I can do this. And I would even write it on my skin. Like, I'm priceless. I'm priceless. I'd write Bible verses. And even though I was messing up, I still remember that I was priceless. I was God's child. And, like, those are the biggest things. Like, remember who you are. Like, even if you're messing up, you're still God's child. So good. Sarah, appreciate you so much. Love you. Thank you so much. Uh, you are priceless. We appreciate you a lot here. So, uh, thanks. There's a lot there. And when I was praying through what to focus on, um, I certainly went through 
I could talk about the dangers of pornography and sexual sin. That's a dangerous thing. It's real. Um, it's counterfeit. It's fake. That's why you feel worse after than you did going in. I could talk about accountability and how we need to be there for each other and how important that is, and it is important. You need people that you can talk to and live life with and walk things out with. Um, but I think, as I thought through it, I think the best place to start is with um, a different point that she came to. She said some really powerful words throughout it. I hope you caught them. It was very real. I appreciate you, Sarah. She said words, I felt dirty. I felt alone. I felt worthless. I felt like I had disappointed him. <clears throat> See, it doesn't matter where you're at in this room, spiritually. Some of you aren't Christians. I'm not silly. I know you're not. You're here because maybe you wanted food or it's just interesting or, you know, you're open to it. And Some of you are, but it doesn't matter because sometime in your life you felt alone and worthless and dirty and wondered why. You ever wonder that? Why is it that you can do certain things if, let's say, you're not a Christian in the room, and you do these things and you still walk away dirty? Nobody taught you that. It's something outside of yourself. Dirty, alone, worthless, like I had disappointed him. She said, I had to start over every time. It's like building a house, right? If I can be good enough for long enough, then I'm, I'm good. But the problem with that mentality is, is when it's contingent on what you do and you're not perfect because you're not, it makes it feel like all the things you had done and worked for were worthless. The problem, there's many problems, the danger of sin in general, sexual sin, pornography, whatever else it is, that's the one that, you want to know why we talk about it in the church a lot? Because it is so powerful. It's like playing with fire. Beautiful, right? In the right context. You've heard me say that before. Sex isn't bad. Sex is beautiful and good when it's used for what it's used for, just like fire is. If I, we are cold, which many of you usually are in this room, right? It's good to have heat that comes from fire that makes you feel warm. Now, the problem is, that's great. If I just pour gas everywhere and start a fire, your response is much different than, this feels nice, right? Because it's uncontrollable. It's dangerous, it's interesting when you talk about, even today in our secular world, the world is catching up with the Bible. The world is warning you about the dangers of pornography. Non-Christians, it's not just a Christian issue anymore. Pornography, sexual sin, they're realizing what it does to the pathways in your brain. It affects them, it rewires them, right? And so part of that is we know it and it makes us feel dirty. And the problem with sin in general is not that it separates us, although it does when we're a Christian, I've seen, it separates us from God. It makes us doubt our identity. It makes you start to wonder, am I really God's? Does he still love me? Am I still forgiven? Am I still loved? That's the dangerous thing about it. And it separates us from each other and makes us feel separate from God. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be looking at a lot of Scripture, and I'll, I'll focus on one verse in particular, but Romans, the book of Romans, chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, and we're going to look at verse 1 and 2 to start, but you want to look at the whole chapter, so you might as well pull it up on your virtual devices. When you got it, say, I got it. All right, just seeing. It's on the screen, I know. Here we go. I'm reading from the HCSB version. 
your version is probably fine. Therefore, this is, I should set this up. Paul is writing to the church in Rome. Romans is a great book to start with. It's kind of heavy because he's explaining to them what happens when you become a Christian. What does it mean? What does it mean? If you don't know your situation before Jesus, without God, then you can't understand what happens after him. Makes sense? So he goes through all of this. And here he's talking to them about what Jesus did and being saved and all these things. And he says, therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, that's holy, good, right with God, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have also obtained access through him by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. All right, Todd version, that's wordy. Okay, he says, listen, since we are okay with God now because of Jesus, and because now we can go to the Father whenever we want, that we're in relationship with Him, we rejoice. We rejoice because of that. We have hope. We know we're saved. I'll never be alone. I'll never be separate. God's love is never going to go away. I'm made right with Him. Jump down to 6, verse 6 through 8. He goes, okay, that sounds good. He says, for though while we were still helpless, at the appointed moment Christ died for the ungodly. For rarely will someone die for a just person. Though for a good person, perhaps someone might even dare to die. Listen. But God proves his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Wordy again, right? Todd version. We were helpless. The Bible says we are separated from God. We are alone in our sin. That's why we feel shame and broken and all those things. It doesn't matter what you believe. It's made. You were made that way. That's why nothing fills it. And he says, write that in that moment when you were most helpless, when you were most dirty, when you were most alone, when you were most worthless. At that moment, God died. Christ died for you. He sacrificed himself for you. And he said, listen, sometimes most people won't die for anyone, right? But maybe they'll die for a good person. He says, but this is how much God loves you. You ready? This is how much value you have to him. That even when you were most dirty, most gross, most alone, most unworthy, he saved you. Now this big section is important. Well, I'll come back to this. But God, before I want to go, listen to this. God proves his own love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Remember that. We'll come back to it. Drop down to verse 12. This is important for us to understand. This could be like a whole series, by the way. So you're only getting a highlight. <clears throat> Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man. If you want to know if you're a Christian you don't know, we believe that we were made in God's image, that our four father and mother, Adam and Eve, made a decision to reject God, sin entered the world, we rejected God. We reject them. So through Adam's choices, sin has affected everyone. Just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, the Bible says sin leads to death. Facts. Okay? In this way, death spread to all men because all sinned. In fact, sin was in the world before the law, but sin is not charged to a person's account when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who did not sin in this likeness of Adam's transgression. Meaning, even the people that didn't sin like Adam, still die. He is a prototype of the coming one. But the gift 
is not like the trespass. For if by one man's trespass the many died, how much more have the grace of God and the gift overflowed to the many by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ? Stop. Let me explain that to you. This is important. God is so good. One man, right? One man's actions, even though we reject him, cause sin to go everywhere. It's different than what God's done for us because God has reversed the filter, taken all of our junk, and through one man has saved us. See the difference? All of our stuff came through one man. Verse 16. And the gift is not like the one man's sin because from one sin came the judgment resulting in condemnation. But from many trespasses came the gift resulting in justification. Those words are a lot. Go back to that, please. Condemnation. We're condemned. We're separated from God. You are alone. We are separate. It doesn't matter what you believe. See, some of you cannot fathom the fact. I get fired up. You still think that you dictate God's truth. Even, I don't get frustrated with you in the room that aren't Christians because you, you, you're not there yet. At least you don't say you're there. But some of you claim you are and the parts you don't like you throw out. You aren't God. He is the one who determines that. Condemnation. He said, but from many sins, right, came the gift resulting in justification. Justification means even though we were condemned, we were guilty, we were going to be punished, he gave us a gift resulting in the penalties paid. We're clear. We're paroled. Since by the one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive the overflow of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? So then, listen, I know it's wordy, but this is good. So then as through one trespass, one sin, there's condemnation for everyone. So also through one righteous act, there is life-giving justification for everyone. For just as through one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so also through the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. The law, oh boy, this is, I get excited, goosebumps. The law came along to multiply the trespass, but where sin multiplied, grace multiplied even more. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace, grace will reign through righteousness, resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You want me to put that in terms? You cannot out-sin grace. Because it was a gift. It was never contingent on you. That's the problem. That's the problem with, with sin, though. It can begin to make us doubt to those that are true believers. See, Sierra didn't take advantage and say, I can do what I want. It's a get out a sin free card, right? Let me abuse grace. It's okay. No, she was torn up because what was inside of her was new and it didn't like what was happening. But then over time, we begin to doubt that we are new. Romans 8, therefore no condemnation now exists for those in Christ Jesus. I put a story for you here. That's why I said it. The problem with, with all of this, she says, I was worthless, I was dirty, I was alone. And the church sometimes, we're, we're one of two things. We either condemn it, which is so, so frustrating, because you sin every day. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Right there along with the list that says sexual immorality and all of those things, adultery, it also says pride and gluttony and hate and envy and arrogance and all of those things that you practice every day. But as long as yours isn't one that's seen, you want to be outside judging that. And so a lot of times we do one of two things. We either condemn them 
which by the way doesn't help them overcome it, it just makes them hide it better. Or two, we ignore it. Because we don't want to look in it because maybe, just maybe, if we have to deal with theirs, we might have to deal with ours. But this isn't to condemn you today. Instead, I want you to have hope and encouragement. Because here's the most beautiful thing I can tell you, and, and I, I use her because she, her example because she lets me. In the midst of her worst moments, when she was down that dark road, when she was trapped in it, when she was in the muck and the dirt, and when she felt alone and she couldn't see God or hear God and she cried out to him and he felt so far away, he never moved. He was always right there. It didn't matter how loud the storm is. It doesn't matter what people scream at you because sometimes they'll tell you you're too far from a monte. The truth is he never let go of her. So the truth never changed. Who she was, how much he loved her, his relationship with her was always the same because it was never contingent on her to begin with. Do you understand? It seems so complicated, but it's not. Well, Todd, what does that mean? I can go sin all the more? Keep reading in Romans. He says that. He goes, no, because you won't do that when you're a new believer. You're not going to go back in prison when you've been freed. These type of moments, these sin, these things that happen, what they end up doing is it leads us back into the prison cell and makes us feel like we're prisoners, but the door's still unlocked. You can just walk out anytime you want. She said worthless. But her shirt told the truth. She was priceless. How do I know that she's priceless? How do I know that you are priceless if you put your faith in Jesus? Well, let's go back to the verse I told you. Verse, chapter 5, verse 8. And this is backwards, it's true. For while we were still helpless at the appointed moment, Christ died for us. But God, yeah, thank you. But God proved his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. But God proved his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Stay with me. I've given this before. Who would love a giant bar of gold? If you don't have your hand raised, you're a lazy or a liar. Who wants a $1 million gold bar? Raise your hand, you punks. Anyway, somebody's like, you ain't telling me what to do. Anyway, all right, here's the thing. You would. Stay with me. What happens if I go outside and throw it in the mud? You still want it? What happens if, this is so vulgar, but what if I pee on it? You want it? Yeah, if you're like me, I'm down there scrubbing, right? Yeah. What if I kick it? What if I hit it with a hammer? What if I th- run over it with a car? What if I throw it in the toilet? What if I uh, spit on it? What if I tell you it's worthless? Do you still want it? Why? Well, here's the answer. Because it's worth never changes. It's gold, <laughs> right? Its value is set. Not because of the circumstances around it, but because what it is. Your value is priceless even when you're in the midst of that sin because the Father already said that you were worth it. And that's why He was willing to go into the muck to reach His hand into the fire and grab me and grab you too because even when we didn't feel like we were valuable enough, He knew what our value was. It doesn't matter the things you fall into. It doesn't matter how far away you go. It doesn't matter if there's mud on you. If you've, if, I mean, it doesn't 
matter. Are there consequences to that? That gold bar is going to smell funky, okay? But at the end of the day, if I take it to a goldsmith, whoever buys million-dollar chunks of gold, pawn stars, I don't know, right? They're going to take that from me because its value has nothing to do with its circumstances. It's priceless. You know why it's priceless? You know why she was priceless? Because she was chosen by grace. It's always been about his grace. And that's what this world is so afraid of. The religious don't want you to know that. Because if it's chosen by grace, then they can't hold anything over you. They can't control you. Shame is not from God. Hear me. I've said this before. The first negative emotion ever felt by man was shame. Go read it. He sinned. He said they were naked. They looked down. He saw they were naked and they felt shame. And I love it because I've said it before. God comes to goosebumps. That's what I say. God comes up and he says to them, hey, uh, what, what are you doing? Why are you hiding? Because I was naked and I was ashamed. He said, who told you that you were naked? Who told you to be ashamed? Because it wasn't me. You were priceless in Christ. Because you were made in God's image. And now you are priceless because the price that was paid for you was enormous. God's already told you your value. It can be measured from hand to hand, from nail to nail. She's going to play some music. I'm so thankful for Sierra and her her willingness to share that and for even making me cry (laughs) because it's something we all need to know. Right now in this room, there are people that feel worthless. Some of it's because of things you're trapped in. Maybe you're trapped in pornography. Maybe you're trapped in some sexual sin. Maybe it's deeper than that. Maybe you've been raised to think you're worthless. Maybe you've bought into the lie that you're not good enough. And so you strive over and over and over for someone to tell you that you're valuable. See, and that's why a lot of you are in relationship cycles. You'll run from person to person and they tell you you're valuable and it feels so good until they don't. And it destroys you. And then you run to the next person that will tell you you're valuable. And then they don't. Or maybe they tell you you're valuable. Oh, you're great. But they hit you. Or they curse at you. Or they treat you poorly. And you think, well, they say I'm valuable. Maybe this is how valuable things are treated. That's not true. God loves you. God sees you as priceless. God sees you as worthy. God sees you as clean. God sees you as holy. I'm not making this up. It's in the Bible. In Christ. You are priceless because you've been chosen by grace. Are you in this room today? And if you're not, then just be quiet and let the people that need to hear it hear it. Are you in this room today and if you're really honest, your entire life has been marked by the fact that deep down at night before you go to sleep, you hear the words like dirty and worthless and alone. You accepted Christ and yet you still wonder, God, why do I feel this way? I pray to you, why God? Maybe it's because you're trapped in a sin that you're too afraid to tell anyone. I'm so sorry that we live in a culture in Christianity that says... Hey, carry each other's burdens. Just make sure they're not the bad ones. When 
one, the Bible also says if you confess your sins to one another, you'll be healed. That there's something with getting it open, getting it out there. It's not magical words. It's the humility it takes so that you can be reminded, what? I know who you are because of who he says you are. When you're alone, you're trapped with your mind, right? And your mind is such a dangerous place to be. Because typically the two loudest voices aren't God's. It's yours. And you tend to not like yourself. Isn't that funny? Or two, it's the enemy's. That's true. Whispering. Trying to get you to believe you're alone. All those things. I want to invite you today during this time we call altar time. There's going to play some music. The lights will go down low. It's going to feel funny if you've never done it before. And there's going to be people up here ready to pray with you. And I know it's a humbling thing. I don't need them. You know, if your first response, I don't need you to pray for me. You don't. But why is that your first response? Is it because you're afraid to confess what you know God wants you to say? Because sometimes you need someone to look at you after you say it. Like she said, like Jason did to her and said, that's okay. We'll fight this together. They'll be here for you to pray with them, uh, to pray with you, to cry with you, whatever you need. Are you in this room today, those of you that know Jesus, and you still doubt whether you have any value? Are you trapped? Have you become so good at putting the mask on that nobody would even guess that you're trapped? Do you want to be free? Do you want to walk out of here today knowing who you really are, not what you think you are? Because I believe you can. If you're in this room and you don't know Jesus, then you've probably bought into the same lie I did. And that is, got to get yourself cleaned up and be valuable enough to Him before you come to Him. That's what they tell you, right? Get your act cleaned up. Once you stop drinking, smoking, cussing, having sex, quit being an addict, quit being angry, whatever else it is you've been told, then maybe, just maybe, Jesus will let you come in the house. They always forget to tell you about Romans 5, 8 right there, right? Because God says, no, 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 son. No, 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 my daughter. I will come right now, and I will grab you and I will clean you, and I will forgive you, and I will restore you, and I will heal you, and I will tell you who you really are. What's the gospel? Simple. The gospel says God created everything perfect, and he made us to live in it. He said you can do whatever you want. Roll it in my name. That's why it's beautiful and fun and nice, even though it's tainted now. And he said all you got to do is let me tell you what right and wrong is. And every day we break that. Well, no, I don't. I don't tell him what right. Yes, it is, because you don't do what he tells you to do. And you do what he tells you not to do. That means you've rebelled against the creator. And so because of that, we have separation with God. He is holy and perfect. Unless we are holy and perfect. Anyone in here holy and perfect? Don't raise your hand because you're not. Unless you are holy or perfect, you're separated from God on your own. You are. You are in the muck. The Bible says that we're storing up wrath for ourselves, that sin leads to death. We are all doomed to die in our sins die twice. Hear me? And the worst one is to come. Is yet to come. It's the one when we got to stand before our creator and have him say, what did you do? I didn't know you. So God let us go on for years and years because we're so stubborn. He said, you want to clean yourself up first? Can you do ten things? You don't do those ten things every day. Every day you break one. The point isn't to tell you how bad you are. The point is to remind you how much you need a Savior. And so what happened? Jesus Christ, He existed. You 
heard me say it before. He's either a liar, a lunatic, or the son of God. I didn't make that. C.S. Lewis did, but it's true. If he's a liar or a lunatic, okay. That's what you want to think. But if he is the son of God, then you have to believe what he said. And this is what he said. He said that he came down here. He showed us how to live, told us the way the kingdom is, and he did the most incredible thing in the world on the cross. He died for your sins while you were helpless so that you can always know your worth so you can always be clean and safe and secure in who you are. See, on the cross, Jesus takes all of your mistakes. It said that, didn't it, in Romans? All your trespasses, all your condemnation, hangs it on the cross with him. The Bible says the Father turned his back on the Son so that he never has to turn his back on you. And Jesus died, and then three days later, he rose from the dead. Look it up. I know it sounds crazy. It is crazy. So are planes. You ever wondered how crazy those are? They fly around. It happened. Now here's the beautiful thing. How do I do that, Todd? How do I know who I really am? How do I become saved? How can I go home tonight and go to sleep and know that if I died, that God says I'm valuable enough to be with him forever? Here's how you know. The Bible says very clearly in Romans that if you confess with your lips, I mean say it, believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and was raised from the dead, you will be saved. He just says, put your faith and trust in him and you will be saved. Right where you're at, listen to me, brothers, sisters. Those, you, right now, the one in the room going, ah, that's me, but it feels weird. You, today he's talking to you. How do I know? Because he did it to me. And I thought the same thing you're thinking. So I'm going to say something to you that a guy I'll never be able to say thank you to said to me. He whispered this in my ear when I didn't want to get up. He said, you don't have to be afraid. There's people up here that are willing to pray with you and celebrate with you isn't about coming here. You could come and pray this and leave and go find another church and that's fine. I just want you to know how valuable you are. I want you to have the security of knowing that God loves you. He'll never leave you or forsake you. Whatever you do today, listen, whatever you do, don't leave the same as you came in because if you do, you're choosing to.